day from 7 to 8 p.m. Awake awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. Mission for Christ proudly presents to you Old Fashioned Revival Hour on Spirit 88.3 with Brother Jerry. Now and every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. Awake awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. Accreditation board at Jiatum Pacupeno, and a Yane University of Education, Uniba, Akayan Tumapa Aboma, Yadi three years diploma in basic education, Ebrawom, Na any just seminar say, Ray a year distance learning, Kahuna say general programs in Nayabi Elho, Nayakoka early childhood education, Abba, Yadi amount for the donor air front, Timo Amomo, and Husseni Citra and Mofra Adia, I had the French education, so Abba, well, person who share French 
kasa no so na kwenye nani de ohiani wasi ssc tvet credit passes ewo three core subject mo ah english language any mathematics eka ho any two elective subjects le wanya 25 years adeko no person o tuo no nguma sua so no de ohiani so ba ba fa forms no ba tro entrance examination ni bi so o performs ni bi atwa fo ani atra miamia hodu edisi adb gana commercial bank eco bank hfc bank snapia ba savings and loans and office on the jackson college of education learning centers ahodua ewo mami hanyina anase fo ani tire head office our fourth jackson street ayediasi new site kumase a bank university open chiremu ahodua bi afreyen ewo 0540104949 anase 0266899495 akwenye nani so be kwa ko fa forms now be ka jackson educational complex ho when that dating map it's a wonderful evening today. God being so good, he has brought us back. And we are strong, we are healthy. We have every cause to be thankful to the Lord for his faithfulness. Um, I greet you this evening if today it's the very first time that you are hearing this program. You are listening to this program. I welcome you to the program, Old Fashioned Revival Hour, and my name is Brother Jerry. To those of you who have been consistent in listening to this program, I say the Lord bless you, and I say that the Lord God impart to you every grace and every blessing that is in the covenant but which he has made with us through Christ Jesus that you might walk in the blessing of the New Testament or the New Covenant. Um, I would also take this opportunity to extend my sincere um, gratitude to Professor Mrs. Jackson, the sole sponsors of the program who also are the founders of Jackson College of Education. The Lord bless them for their benevolent work and for what they are sowing into the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Um, I would say that their forms are still out, Jackson College of Education. Um, the deadline has been extended. Um, it was supposed to, the admission was supposed to end today as in this week but um it has been extended to 30th of november and so if you are out there listening to my voice and you still want to be enrolled into the school jackson college of education private training college um, running a distance course in the area of basic education is a diploma in basic education and so if you have that interest or you know anyone with such interest you can call the number 055 055-0554-261913 055-0554-261913 261913 um, You need not to be discouraged about your results yet 
just call the number and we will be willing to assist you if need be. Never be discouraged, just call the number and let us know your um, your need or your problem, your resource, whatever resource that it is, you just call the number and any help we would render unto you. And so um, tell a friend, to the, tell another friend to that the admission is still in progress and that they can call the number which I mentioned and then be able to get the forms. Um, uh, today's another evening, <coughs> another night and the Lord God has given a message that I should share with you. It's a very important message. And I know that tonight you are going to be blessed by the word of the living God. And uh, before I start with the message tonight, I want you to tell someone, to tell a friend, to gather your family, we are in a very perilous times and perilous moment and um, uh, I believe that in a sense um, the word of the Lord the very foundation of the gospel which we need to grow um, uh, have been covered in a way I see scarcity, spiritual famine in the area of the word of God. I see spiritual famine in the area of the, the gospel, the scriptural truths. What um, the fathers left for us what the apostles left for us. I see a spiritual famine in that area. And what I see today is um, a substitution of what is a dilution. I see a substitution, um, a replacement of the the apostolic doctrine with what looks like um, demonstration of human um, talents, human um, abilities, demonstration of um, a human, uh, of course, wisdom. Um, it is a sad thing to say, but I believe that that is the reason, the cause for that spiritual retardation which we are seeing today. It is the cause of that spiritual um, malnutrition. It's like um, there is not much fruits in the things of the spirit. Rather, um, it is as Paul said, you know, 
sowing into the flesh. And so there is that reaping of carnalities. Instead of walking in the spirit. Um, uh, I would want us to pray as I open up the message tonight. Eternal Father of heaven and earth, we have come together again today. Um, we acknowledge thee who is the only true God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is our prayer tonight that as we have come, let your word prevail. Not by enticing words of human wisdom, but by the demonstration of your spirit and power. Let your word, your truth, prevail tonight. Let it bring down the fortification, the stronghold of doubt, the stronghold of deception, the stronghold of hypocrisy, legalism, the stronghold of immoralities and spiritual blindness. Let the world bring down every stronghold of the devil, every power of Satan, operation of devils, and let every knee be brought down before the Lord Jesus Christ. And let everyone acknowledge that indeed he is the Messiah, the Son of God, who has conquered death, who has conquered sin, who has conquered hell. Let him be magnified through this ministry. And I pray that tonight you would bless your people as they open their hearts. May you restore those who are down, even in the pit of despair and depression. May you strengthen the weak. May you heal the sick. May you bless and revoke every curse in the life of your people. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the only potentate one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I pray. Amen. From the previous weeks, we have been dealing with the barriers of the redemptive blessings. Um, in the previous weeks, I touched on heresies. I touched on divination and false doctrines, namely the doctrine of Balaam and Jezebel. Um, today, God has given to me an area, another barrier to the redemptive blessing. And uh, this barrier is called eternal security. Eternal security. And um, I pray that you prepare your heart as the word of the Lord comes to you tonight. 
If I, by the grace of God, am through with this particular topic, we will now move on to the remedy, how one can be delivered from these, and the way to their deliverance. And so tonight we are dealing with eternal security, an important topic which you need to know. You need to know the sides because there are two sides of the coin which you need to, if you accept one side of it, it is um, very dangerous, very perilous to your Christian life. And so it is very needful that you are able to understand the whole um, topic about eternal security. Um, I must say that one of the greatest treasure that I, I always believe that it is to me the greatest treasure ever in my personal life is the Bible. Because uh, um, in spite of whatever is happening, I believe that if one is saved and his spiritual senses are awakened by the Holy Spirit, he does not see the Bible as written by the inks of men, but rather by the Holy Spirit. Um, if the Bible comes to life to the believer, it is life transforming. It is life transforming. It becomes a life-giving um, treasure to the person. And I believe that that is all that we need in this perilous moment in our life, our Christian life. Seven years ago, I, I had the supernatural encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, before this time, I was a stranger to the church. I was born into Methodism, the Church of Methodism and um, uh, I had no interest in church. I, it is, if I would say that it was always more like um, being forced to go. You know, I, I used to give my mother a very hard time on Sundays in those days. Yes, I, I was a member, a church member, of course, but I was not a member of the invisible body of Christ. You know, you can be a member of the visible church and not be a member of the invisible church. I mean the body of Christ. I was a member in, in Methodist, but was not a member of the invisible body of Christ. You know, from GSS to secondary to the university, I was always running away from church, always running away. I, I used to think of those who bring the, the word, the evangelist, um, as they come to call me, I would look at them and I would somehow um, feel that, well, do they not have any better thing to do? I felt that they were wasting their life in those days, giving themselves to um, the things of God. And so in school, I never joined the church, I was a stranger. You know, but something happened seven years ago, which um, I will never forget in my life. 
I don't think because uh, it is a stamp in my soul, a memory which I can never forget. Seven years ago, I believe that God used that occasion to bring me down on my knees and to the cross of Calvary. Seven years ago, on my birthday, a friend of mine came to visit me with a gift in her hand. Um, and the way that the gift was beautifully wrapped I imagine something of good quality. Um, I took the gift and to my surprise when I opened the gift, I found out that it was not what I was expecting. To my surprise, it was a Bible. I remember that day that I was somewhat disappointed in her. I was very upset, but I hid my feelings and put up a little smile as if I appreciated it. Four months afterwards, the Bible laid idle in my room. Months after that day, for months, not four months, the Bible was still in my room, idle. I never touched it, I never opened it. But one day I was just there and I saw the Bible and I decided to pick it up and I decided to open it. You know, when I was in Methodist, you know, my, I, we, we, I was born into Methodist and my mother um, introduced me to the choir master, the junior choir, and so I was also a choirister. And um, I, those days I used to recite um, scriptures. You know, when we were young at church, Sunday school, they would call, and uh, I used to have that, you know, I was into that reciting of scriptures. And so I, I, I was familiar with the scriptures, but um, the truth is that the scriptures was only in memory, it was not in the heart. Because by then I, I had not um, been regenerated. And so everything that I was doing was um, external duty of obligation. It, it, it was um, more like um, in the sensual realm, the sense realm. I was soulish, if I should say. Um, but when, when I opened that particular day, when I opened the scripture, um, I saw this particular scripture. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. I remember that very scripture. The first scripture that hit me was that scripture. Isaiah 31 verse 1. You see, the very moment that I opened and I saw what was written, I knew that the Lord was speaking to me. Because I was trusting in everything that I had but God. I was trusting in my education. I was trusting in my degree. I was trusting in my natural abilities but God. God was never in the picture. So still stubborn, I paid little attention to it till things started getting rough. 
I jumped from one problem to the another, to the other. And I remember that in my frustration, I, I traveled to, with my colleagues to um, the town called Ejra. Ejra in, the, um, I think, outskirts of Asante Mampo. We traveled there for a project, and there we were staying at a dormitory. For one month, we were staying in a dormitory. But there was one day, one particular night, the friend was playing an old song. It was an old hymn. And because I was once a choir, um, a, choir um, a singer in the choir ministry, I, I, I loved songs. Songs are part of me. And uh, not really much of the contemporary songs, but um, the classical hymns. So when I heard that song, I, I loved the song, and I asked him to send that song to me on my phone, and so he sent it. And that very night in the evening, I was listening to that particular song. The song was The Old Ragged Cross. And as I was listening to this song, I kept repeating, I kept listening, I kept repeating. I don't know why, I just kept repeating the song. And while I was repeating this scripture came powerfully to me the same Isaiah chapter 31 and while I was on my bed the word came to me like lightning like a tender woe to those who go down to Egypt God was speaking to me about the word and this pleasure Egypt is a type of the word the present age and I could understand what God was saying. And that day, being under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it brought me on my knees. And when I started praying, the only word that I could say was the prayer of mercy and confession and acknowledgement of my sins, my depravity against the throne and the government of God. But God is so merciful, beloved, that as I was praying with that godly sorrow in that mood, repentance, I felt that the presence of Jesus Christ was made manifested in that place, in that room. You know, all this while my colleagues were asleep, they did not know, see what was going on. But I was on my bed throughout the night. I could not sleep. I was wrestling with my soul. But when the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ was made manifested in that room, I could only see with my spiritual eyes, not with my physical eyes. But I knew that the Lord Jesus was present. I could feel that atmosphere so beautiful so tender so gentle I felt him touch me and tell me that my sins are forgiven it was on that day that that burden of sin was rolled away you know I've never been able to fully describe that experience It's a mixture of joy and tears at the same time praises and resolution it was that night that I received a new birth that night, my life was changed. And to this very time that I am speaking to you, I have never returned back to the word. 
by the gracious work of the Lord and his spirit. You see, it was not a church. It was not at the crusade. It was the Bible the friend got me that the Lord used as an instrument to bring me down on my knees and to the cross. And when I remember that when I was converted, the, the popular messages that I was hearing was eternal security. Um, uh, people describe it this way, once saved, forever saved. And I remember that my struggle, main struggle, was the message that I was hearing in most denominations against what I personally saw in the Bible. See, eternal security was what I was hearing, but the Spirit of the Lord brought to my understanding the working out of our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so there was that conflict within my spirit. How do I reconcile the two? What I saw was that, yes, the Christian is eternally saved, but it is in part from the power of hell, from demons, from sicknesses, and all of that. But if the Christian does not know the other side of the coin, it is very dangerous to his Christian life. We are secured when we keep ourselves from what God has asked us to keep ourselves from. And you would understand as I proceed. Now before I proceed, let me build my, the foundation upon the word of the Lord. First John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. And the wicked one does not touch him. We know. That whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Now the question is who is the wicked one? The wicked one is Satan of course. And who are those he can touch? Those Christians who keep themselves from his territory. And so there is what I want you to get tonight is that there is the keeping of ourselves as Christians. Now I said you would understand as I proceed. If you don't understand, if you don't get this, what we call the eternal security or what people preach today, eternal security, we are saved, we are going to heaven, we have defeated the devil and all that. If you don't get this, you will never be able to understand why you are going through certain problems, jumping from one defeat to other. The true Christian victorious life is in this. The only time the Christian can be defeated on the battlefield 
is when he trespasses, when he does not keep himself or herself. Now, I would explain this by using the typology of Noah's Ark. The whole plan of God's salvation is revealed there in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 6, sorry. There are two types of arks under the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. Both acts speak of Jesus Christ. They are types of Jesus Christ. Um, the first ark is Noah's ark, which represents us in Christ. Us in Christ. And the second ark, which is the ark of the covenant, represents Christ in us. Now understand this. That is not what I am dealing with. That is just by the way. Noah's ark explains the free salvific plan of God for his people. The three phases of salvation, which you need to understand. If you get this, there is no way you will be confounded. You will be confused with the, um, the preaching or the message about the eternal security. Once saved, forever saved. This is what gives us understanding of the plan of God concerning salvation for us. One, the first phase under Noah's Ark, that typology of Noah's Ark, the first phase of salvation is this. Now, when you go to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, the first thing that you would see is that the Ark was complete. It was designed according to divine specification. So in Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, it says, that Noah did according to all that God commanded him. What does this mean? What it means in the light of the gospel, in the light of the new covenant, is this. Jesus has finished the work for our salvation. The work is perfect. The work is complete. And it has been done. Yes, a goal by Christ. It is already finished. We cannot add to it. We cannot take out of it. The death of Christ was once. Jesus is never coming again to die. Once he died, once he paid the debt, once it is finished. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Notice. Jesus did it once and for all. Whether you are white or black. Whether you are an African or an Asian or an European or an American. He died for all. Whether you were born into a poor family or into a rich family. The Lord does not discriminate. He paid for all. Whether a sinner in the church or outside the church, salvation is free for all. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Once he died to bear the sins of many. So that is the first phase of salvation. It is complete. It is complete. It is perfect. It is finished. 
by the mighty working of our Lord Jesus Christ some thousands of years ago, as we normally would say, about 2,000 years ago. The second phase of salvation is this. You see, you would notice that the benefit of the ark of Noah was seen in obedience on the part of Noah and his family. The benefit of the ark was in the decision of Noah and his family. In other words, they could only benefit from the ark when they did something. Genesis chapter 7 verse 1. You would notice that the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household. Verse 7 says, So Noah with his sons, his wife, his son's wife, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Now understand this. Noah was saved from the flood, which is a type of judgment upon the earth, because Noah and his family responded to the call to salvation in obedience. This is what it means to us. Salvation is offered to all. Salvation is free to all, yet it must be received by faith. The Holy Spirit is gentle. He would expose to us our sins and the consequences of our sins. He will point us to the Savior Jesus Christ. He will tell us how he can supernaturally transform our lives by the power of grace. He will put before us life and death, but it is for us to choose whether we would enter into the ark of life or die outside of the ark. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And that is the picture of the ark of Noah. If anyone enter, so even though salvation is free to all, this is God's requirement that we respond to the call to salvation, to enter into the ark, to enter into Christ. So that is the second phase of salvation, responding to the call and remaining in the ark. Now the third phase of salvation is this. Now we will notice that Noah and his family escaped that judgment and they came out alive, strong and healthy because they remained in the ark which the Lord commanded Noah to build. So Noah and his family were preserved from that judgment as long as they remained in the ark of the ark that God commanded him to build. And so 150 days, Noah and his family were in the ark, preserved in safety and at peace. While on the outside, souls were perishing, people were drowned in that great flood. That 150 days in the ark describes the lifetime of the Christian on earth. 
We are only preserved from harm and evil as long as we remain in Christ and abide in His will for us. For it is when we are in Him and doing the Father's will that the power of God preserves us from the wiles of the enemy. So the bigger picture is that the whole plan of God's salvation and its benefits are enjoyed by those who keep themselves from Satan's territory. Who keeps themselves in the limit which God has given them in Christ. Later you would understand. They are those who would enter into glory. Those who keep themselves at the future salvation or the coming of Christ Jesus. Now you will notice in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 that Peter was speaking of a future salvation. He says that who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice that he says that there is a salvation which is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now he's speaking of a future tense. Future tense. A salvation which is yet to be what? Revealed. And it brings us to that. It gives us the understanding of the third phase of salvation. Let me build it, summarize it again. The first phase of salvation is this. The completion of the ark. We are saved and it is by the finished work of Christ. The second phase of salvation is this. We must respond to the call as in, even though it is free, even though Jesus has finished the work, there is the need for us to respond. That is, I am coming from the very beginning. I am not saved. I have not heard of the gospel. Now I hear the gospel. It is for me to respond to the gospel. If I can benefit from the work on the cross, the finished work of cross, I must respond to the call of salvation. And this is the second phase, the responding, the entering into the ark and staying in the ark. Notice. Remaining in the ark, remaining in Christ, staying saved, continuously working for our salvation while we are on earth. And the third phase is this. The coming out of the ark, Noah and his family, it is or it speaks of the coming out of judgment. The final rapture of the resurrection of the dead. He's speaking of when we shall finally meet the Lord Jesus at his appearing. Salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It has not yet been revealed. It is yet to. That is the ultimate final salvation. What we are hoping for. This is the end of all ages. And as Noah and his family came out of the flood, we shall also escape the judgment of God if we remain in Christ, in endurance, obedience. So the future salvation is, if I may say, is determined by the present, we remaining in the ark, in Christ, in his will, as revealed by the word. Now what I want you to understand, beloved, is this. The problem with most believers is not with the first phase of salvation. 
We are saved by the death of Christ. That is not the problem with most believers. The problem is not the third phase of salvation. We shall be saved. We shall one day meet in heaven. But the problem is the second phase. We are being saved, which requires some sort of commitment, which requires some sort of loyalty. And this is the most important part. This is what we need to understand, that that eternal security, we cannot speak of eternal security, that we have all these blessings which Jesus Christ has procured for us through his death. We can only enjoy these blessings and have victory over Satan, over devils, over sickness and all that. If only we understand this part, the second thing, we are being saved. It is a continuous work, process. And so we don't just lie. We just don't fall into slumber, into sleep and expect that everything will be just as it is. There is a requirement. We're working out our salvation. And so remaining in Christ, keeping ourselves in Christ, is what is in between the first phase of salvation and the third phase of salvation. The in between, the second phase, is we keeping ourselves, remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ. So the word is, how do we abide? How do we remain in Christ Jesus. First. It says in. Philippians. Philippians chapter. 2. Verse 13. Philippians chapter 2 verse. 13. And I will read from the word of the Lord. Let me begin from verse. 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work on behalf of his good pleasure. Working out your own salvation. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. No, this is a particular time and moment in the ministry of Paul the Apostle. He has written a letter to the church of Philippi. And Paul tells the church of Philippi that based on their fellowship with the gospel, he believes and he knows that God being sovereign, he will perfect the work which he has begun in them. But Paul doesn't want them to enter into the error of living a cheap life. And so he tells them that even though God, yes, he will perfect the work which he has already begun, you have need to understand that you have every grace to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so you see, when you look at that picture, Paul would sound as if he's speaking of eternal security, that, okay, yes, once we are saved, we are forever saved. But in order not to confuse the church, in order not to get them into error, so one can say that, okay, if I have been saved and if Jesus has done all this, then why not continue in my old wretched life of sin? And so in order that they might not enter into that error of living a cheap life, 
counting the blood of Christ as nothing, he tells them there is a need for you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But if the apostle ends there, Another side would also come and say that, okay, if we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, then let us revisit the law. And so people would also enter into the error of legalism. Trusting in their own efforts, depending on their own external duties, which is the law. And so in order also not to get them into that error, he brings the verse 13 and tells them that it is the spirit of the Lord who is at work within us to cause us to will and to work on behalf of God's good pleasure. And so there is, he combines the verse 12 with the verse 13 and says that though we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, we need to understand that we have every grace at work in us to do it. He would later say that I can do all things through Christ who what strengthens me. That is what it means. So not by our own effort, but by depending on the Spirit who is at work within us. And so there is that commitment to the Lamb of God who laid his life for us. We have not been saved to live a cheap life and go to heaven. No. We have been saved to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. I always say that a true Christian is thankful for the finished work on the cross. He is committed to the Lamb of God in his stay on earth. And he is hopeful for the future salvation. The appearing of Christ. Christ being his hope of glory. And so you see the three dimension. He is thankful for what the Lord has done. He is committed presently to the Lamb of God. His allegiance is to the Lamb and to his word. And he's looking to that future salvation. And that is a true Christian. This is, if you speak of eternal salvation and you take out of the working, out of our, our own salvation, the keeping of ourselves, remaining in Christ, abiding in his truth, in his revealed will, you would end up in an error. For you must understand that whatever we are doing on earth, our judgment would depend on what we do while we are on earth, in our earthly body. If for anything, remember the parable of the talents. The one who received that one talent, he did nothing with it. He was cast out. He was rejected. He was banished into outer darkness where there would be weeping and what gnashing of teeth. Why? Because he did not work. He did not work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. He would be... In that category, those who say that, well, if we have been saved, then let us just remain as we are in our old wretched sin. Let us eat, let us drink, let us have fun, let us party. You know, giving in to greediness, the love of the word and all these things. But there is the caution. Working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, you will notice that Paul, Peter, speak of this. Same thing in First Peter chapter 1 verse 17. First Peter chapter 1 verse 17. He says that, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. The King James Version renders it, um, who is no respecter of persons. 
He says that conduct yourself throughout the time of your sojourning here in fear. He says that if you are calling on the name of the Father, and if you profess to know the Father, then let your stay here on earth be lived in godly fear, in the fear of God. And that is the word of the Lord to you tonight. Working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then the second aspect, how do we remain in Christ? How does it mean to keep ourselves in Christ? The second thing is this, your life must depict one in whom is the work of grace. One who has been saved from sins. It must be worthy of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. I like what the Holy Spirit reveals here. In order to clear every doubt. He says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What does this mean? Paul is saying that whether I come, because the letter he wrote, he promised them that he was going to come. But he tells them whether I come or not, this is what you need to know and keep. Let your life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Stand fast in one spirit, in one mind, and together for the faith of the gospel. Now what does Paul mean by one spirit? The one spirit that Paul speaks of here is the inner man, the spirit man, the pneuma, the Greek word um, renders, renders it pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-E, pneuma, meaning that spirit man, the inner man, the, the very nature of Christ in us, the very nature, new nature of Christ which we receive through the new birth. That we must stand fast in that one spirit. And he uses the word one spirit because even though we are different physically, yet in the new birth we have all received one nature. And it is the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me clear every confusion here um, by bringing to you this word of the Lord in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 and you will notice that Paul was speaking of that inner man of that spirit man because it is that new nature that is God conscious and it is what drives the soul and the flesh that renewed man that new born of the spirit born of God is what Paul is speaking of. So Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. Paul says that. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Notice. No female, no male in the sight of God. But rather what? For you are all one in Christ. 
you are all one in Christ. Now notice what he says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 15. He says that for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but a new creation. So this is the new creation, the new man, the inner man, the spirit man which we ought to what? walk in. We must allow that inner man which is God conscious to reign, to rule over the flesh, to rule over the soul. So this is what uh, basically Paul is saying that if we have been saved, then we need to what? Conduct ourselves as a people who are thankful to the work of the Lord Jesus. Our life must what? Be worthy of the gospel. Walk in that what oneness of spirit and with one mind. And that is the mind, of the mind of Jesus Christ. The renewed mind. The mind that is stayed on the things that are above. Heavenly things. Not on things that are unprofitable. But the things that are on God and his will. So basically this is what it means to stay in Christ Jesus, remain in Christ Jesus. Now before I bring my message to an end, this particular session will be treated next week in details. But um, someone may ask, okay, so um, what is the, the Satan's territory which we must keep ourselves from? When we say that we must, in order to remain in Christ, remain in the ark, in order to be free from all powers of evil, of the devil, from harm, from destruction. What must we keep ourselves from? And I am saying that we must keep ourselves from Satan's territory. What, what does it mean? You know, remember that the same scripture that we said, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. You notice that Paul says something. Um, John, Apostle John says something. Verse 18 verse 19 and verse 21. He says that, For we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Now notice verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Then he says in verse 20, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. And in his son Jesus, this is the true God and eternal life. Verse 21, he says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Well, the first thing that you need to know in staying away from the devil's territory, if you are to remain and if you are to enjoy the redemptive blessing of Christ, one thing that you need to understand is this. If you are a friend to this word and this last, it is very important, needful, that you separate yourself from the word and this last. It is very important to find out the conclusion or inference of a case presented in the scriptures. And John tells us that if you are born of God, you must keep yourself and that is only when the wicked one cannot touch you. And in keeping yourself, you must separate yourself from the word, 
For he says that the whole world lies in deception. In verse 19. Sway. Deception of the wicked one. King James says that wickedness. And he says that. There is the reason why. You must. Because that is Satan's territory. The word and is last. That is Satan's territory. And the word of the Lord says that whoever is a friend to the word and is last is an enemy of God. He opens up. He cannot prevail as a Christian. He is already a defeatist. Because once you enter into Satan's territory, you have no armor. The armor is only intact when we remain in Christ and in his will. And so James chapter 4 verse 4, remember what he said. Adulteress and adulteresses. Referring to a man or a woman who makes friends with the word. Says that such is an adulterer or an idolatress in the sense of a woman. In the sight of God. He goes on to say that do you not know that friendship with the word is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the word makes himself an enemy of God. You see, today the occultic world is promoting addiction through drugs, through erotic movies, pornographic movies, and, and this erotic music. They call it R&B, blues, and all these things. The occultic world is using this platform um, to promote addictions. And, you know, I receive calls, and most brothers in the church, they tell me how they have gotten into an addiction, uh, masturbation, pornography and it has all been the result of a song that they listened to a movie that they watched and, and that is what the occultic word is doing to, and that is satan's territory if you enter there you have no armor you have come out of the ark and it exposes you to all the works demonic works the operations of the devil and as i said next week i will treat this in detail as i bring my message to an end so what you need to know is that concerning the teaching of eternal security, there is a requirement of you working out your own salvation. Father, we thank you for bringing to us this profound truth and word. I am only thy servant. Let your word prevail in the lives of your people. I end here, but let the Spirit of the Lord keep his work in your hearts till they come to the knowledge and acceptance of the truth of Christ Jesus. In the name of the Lord, I pray. That as many as may want to contact me, the line is 0558-345-267-0558-345. Most would have questions, things that they would want to share, um, something that is bothering them. I believe that God is still working. So if such thing need, if then there is that need you can call on that number or send a message is also a whatsapp number 0558 345267 and lastly 0558 345267 so next week god willing i am dealing to detail what i call satan's territories the lord bless you his grace abound in your life to save you and your family the same time next week from the hour of 7 to 8. The grace of the Lord be with you and your house. Bye-bye.